Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Helen. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to the Squiggly Careers Podcast, a weekly show to help you with the ins, outs, ups and downs of work, where Sarah and I share some insights and ideas for action to help you feel more confident and in control of your career development. And every week we put all of the resources that we produce together into Podmail, so you can easily get our pod sheets, which are downloadable summaries of the episode, and our pod notes, which are good if you've only got one minute to swipe through some stuff, and also the recordings of our Pod Plus sessions, which are 30-minute sessions that we do every week, where we have a community of like-minded learners who discuss what we've been talking about on the podcast and you can get those all in one place every week on a tuesday morning in Podmail. so if you'd like that in your inbox you can just sign up the details are in the show notes you can click there and you just put your email in and we'll get it every week or if you can't find that because it's always a bit funny to find this stuff sometimes just email us we're helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and we can get it sorted out for you so today we're going to be talking about achievement overload and we sort of have a subtitle for today's podcast, <laughs> which I'm not sure if that's what you meant to do or not, really, probably not. But understanding how a need to achieve can get in the way of your growth. So we're just going to explore a bit this idea of achievement, when it can tip over into overachievement and how that can be unhelpful. And I think we will have all had those moments where we perhaps get a bit too driven or a bit too focused on something that's really important to us. And so we're going to explore this sort of tension between achievement that could be really helpful in your career and overachievement that I think can be unhelpful. And before we get started, we just wanted to give a squiggly shout out to Emma Gannon, who has a new book called The Success Myth, which you can pre-order now from bookshop.org. It comes out in May 2023, so not too long to wait for it. And if you've ever read or listened to Emma before, you know that it will be a really insightful and thoughtful and practical read. We're lucky enough to know Emma a little bit and she shared with us the cover and what she's going to be talking about. And it sounds brilliant. I'm hoping to get a sneaky pre-copy to have a read through and we think some of the topics and themes we're going to talk about today will also feel really relevant if you want to dive a bit deeper with Emma and her book so perhaps check that out if that's something you want to spend some time with. So we thought it would be useful to talk about the difference between achievement and overachievement because what we're not saying is that if you want to achieve things that work in your career, that that's bad. We're not saying that. It's when it really tips into overachievement that it can become a bit of an issue for you and your development. So the definitions we're going with are that achievement is about being motivated by high performance and getting to a desired outcome. 
But overachievement is when you're consumed by the relentless pursuit of more. So that achievement is never, ever enough. And you can't appreciate the achievements that you're kind of making along the way. It's always, what's the next achievement? How can I make this bigger? So I think achievement and overachievement are not two categories where some people are in one and some people are in the other, and maybe some people are in neither of them. I think it's more recognising what does your drive for achievement look and feel like? Does that ever tip over into sort of unhelpful overachievement? And I think for some people that might be more prevalent than others. We probably selfishly both find this particularly interesting to spend some time with because we both have achievement as a value. And so if values are things that motivate and drive you, the kind of your DNA, what makes you you, Helen and I are sort of almost starting from this place of, I guess, naturally might fall into the category of people who may end up you know going into that kind of overachievement that relentless pursuit of more where you can get a bit single-minded and you're always looking for the next win so I think it's quite interesting as we explore this today to think about what does this mean for you do you like recognize any of these tendencies did they ever get in your way and what might you do differently and you know what we've not really prepared for but it's just come to me when you said that is if you work with other people who also have a strong need to achieve maybe that strays into this territory of overachievement like how does that change the culture so it's not just one person it's not just you know everyone else is kind of focused on doing their job well but Helen Tupper's got this overachievement like a thing going on but if a whole team is like that I can imagine it maybe it starts to get quite competitive and combative because mm. if you're all overachieving do you start then competing with each other so it's not like how do we come together as a team to do better it's how can I beat you maybe in that context too And I did read an interesting article, which sort of is almost like a subset of overachievers preparing for this podcast, which was about insecure overachievers and how much organisations typically like recruiting those people, which is, if you think about it, quite in lots of ways, a bit Machiavellian. Yeah, absolutely. Because essentially, if you get loads of insecure overachievers, they sort of blame themselves for like things like burnout and they'll work phenomenally hard and they'll sort of think, I'm never good enough. And they're sort of on this like, hamster wheel of achievement but also they give themselves a really hard time so they're sort of I guess it's sort of combining achievement with imposter syndrome which is sort of almost like if you're thinking about achievement versus overachievement I think there's probably like another level of overachievement is like if you're in that insecure overachievement category then actually you know that also you can see how that gets to lots of behaviors that could be really bad for you like personally as well as professionally so I was like I don't like the idea that companies would kind of look for those people and seek those people out just because probably they'd work so hard they would get really good results but kind of at what cost yeah no gosh I don't know at all that's surely a recipe for burnout it's like company just trying to get high output straight away and then just kind of move on to the next oh horrible horrible they'll blame themselves for it yeah they'll never blame the company oh gosh no god that's horrible that's really horrible so we thought we would put a few questions out for you to kind of listen and reflect on in terms of whether you might identify as an overachiever I mean you might know right now you might be like this is me and that is why I'm listening to this episode or you might you might help you just kind of critically reflect on this a little bit so from the reading that Sarah and I have done we've kind of got eight overachievement indicators and I'm going to talk them through as sort of questions for you to think yes or no and of these eight overachievement indicators if you're really getting a yes to four or more it is a good signal that this might be something for you to focus on 
So number one, do you have a goal that you're going after? Number two, do you worry what failing will say about you? Number three, do you feel defined by your successes? Number four, do you want to be the best? Five, do you prioritise excellence over experimentation? Six, are you highly self-critical? Seven, do you prefer to focus on the future rather than think about the present? And eight, do you regularly let work creep into your non-work life? And we'll put all those questions in the pod sheet if it's helpful for you. But Sarah, what, what kind of number did you get to? I think I get to a four-ish. So sort of half half yeses, half noes. I can certainly think of times where that number would have been a lot higher. I probably think right now in my career, that's the lowest number I would have had. I might even be a three, which for me, I take as a I take as an achievement in itself that it's not a six, seven or eight, because I think I've, I've definitely had moments where it would have been a lot higher. But yeah, I think I think a three or a four at the moment. What about you? I'm a solid four. So goal I'm a going after, four. yes. Do I worry what failings is about me? Yes. Do I feel define my successes? Yes. Do you regulate work <laughs> creep into your non-work life? Yes. <laughs> that is a solid four. <laughs> the other ones I kind of not so solid, I don't think so. But those ones, if it's a four or more, then that would be an indicator that I probably do have a sense of overachievement sometimes. And so just some of the risks, I think some of this is probably obvious in terms of how overachievement can be detrimental to you in your career, but worth just highlighting what they might be. And also you can think about, well, what's the biggest risk for you? Because we want this to feel really relevant like for you as you're listening. So it could be about competition and comparison. So, you know, if you're really into overachievement, you might always feel like you're competing with your peers or not as good as your peers. And that sort of is driving you versus your own sense of self and self-worth. It could drive anxiety and overwhelm, which I guess might be that insecure overachievement that I was talking about. You know, you're always anxious of, you know, yourself, what other people are saying about you, what happens if things don't quite go to plan, maybe feeling a real pressure and perfectionism. So, you know, you overachieve because everything has to be right the whole time. It also might mean that you risk becoming very sort of individual in your outlook. So quite self-absorbed sort of in your own world. And more generally, in terms of outcomes, one of the risks can be that you keep doing things that you actually don't want to be doing. You perhaps don't enjoy something, but you're sort of stuck in this cycle of overachievement. And if somebody sort of magically could help you to sort of zoom out and and give you that helicopter view, you might start to question, you know, do I actually enjoy my days? Do I feel like I'm having a positive impact? Those, Those sorts of things perhaps haven't come to your consciousness because you're so busy in sort of overachievement mode and we were thinking about in terms of our careers when has that sort of need to achieve got in the way and I think for me sometimes I can just get really blinkered I tell you I tell you a really obvious time (laughs) multiple times but I think when I was working at BP definitely that was where I got overachievement because there was a lot in that environment that sort of fed my need you know I I got promoted Mm -hmm. regularly I was doing things that on the surface made me feel really successful and the reason I think it got in my way is because there were lots of other things that really mattered to me like my relationships and my learning and my development and just like having fun outside of work just stuff like that that overachievement sort of bias just it, it almost put blinkers on me and I didn't realize for quite 
probably a sort of 12 months of being blinkered and I realized oh, I'm not actually enjoying it <laughs> like um and it was just because yeah. I'd got so distracted by like the doing and achieving that I realized it wasn't it wasn't the thing that I really found that fulfilling when I looked at all the things I like to do yeah I think for me the blinkering thing definitely rings a bell and what often has been really detrimental for me has been to stop doing lots of other things in pursuit of a very single-minded goal I can be very single-minded when I when I want to be and I now know and I've sort of noticed about myself that if I get too focused on usually there's um, a goal or an outcome because I for me achievement is about sort of big goals and big outcomes I can sort of disappear and then I sort of deprioritize everything else (laughs) so like for example when I was doing my MBA not all the way through my MBA, but essentially I was doing quite well in my MBA and I was thinking, oh, I've got a chance here of doing really well in this. So I am going to give it everything I've got. So that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. That's not bad logic to think, you know, you really want to dedicate something to something you've spent loads of time on. But it meant I stopped playing netball. I was like, I'm going to stop, you know, stuff outside of work. So, okay, get rid of all of that. It meant that I like stopped saying yes to, you know, like meeting up with friends it meant that, I don't know, I probably didn't talk to my partner very much during that time. And I sort of got more and more, you know, and and then you're so, I was so committed to an outcome, you know, to something happening that wasn't necessarily all in my control or you're sort of, you're not sure whether it's going to happen or not. But actually everything suffered as a result. I don't think I was as good at, in that moment, actually at what I was trying to do in my MBA, like the assignments I was trying to do or the coursework and I was trying to get started on my dissertation. And once I noticed that and sort of let all of those other things creep back in that I really enjoyed, funnily enough, like everything got better. Mm. Um, so it didn't last very long because I think it felt it felt wrong very quickly. I was suddenly like, oh, but I thought now I'd be, you know, absolutely on fire because this is the one thing. I'm putting all of my energy into this one thing. So surely I should be incredible. And sort of the opposite happened. And you're like, oh, okay. And I, I lost a bit of motivation. I lost a bit of energy. So that was a real trigger for me and actually ever since that moment even when I've been at my most sort of busy or full-on with anything to do with work I've always tried really hard to not get rid of everything else because it's so tempting to do that isn't it because you just think I need more time I need to say no to things I've got no time for anyone else or anything else I think I had a real kind of tipping point in my career where that overachievement like went too far very very fast and I sort of railed back from that And I think it's really easy to get into a self-justification cycle with this stuff as well, because Mm. there is no doubt that a strong need to achieve has helped you get certain stuff done and, you know, make things happen that you might be proud of. But the problem is, and so you could justify it, you could be like, yeah, but if I wasn't like this, I wouldn't have got that. And if I wasn't like this, Mm. then we wouldn't have that opportunity. And it's really easy, I think, to just go into this cycle of, well, that's just who I am. I'm I'm, I'm an achievement-orientated person. But what we're saying, I think we really want to be clear, there is nothing wrong with being somebody who wants to achieve things. That's If that is you and that's what you're driven to do. We'd be in a lot of trouble. That that is really positive. (laughs) But it's when those blinkers are so firmly on that you don't do other things that make you happy and that you can't see the impact of how you're behaving you know how it might affect other people and and that's what we're talking about it's when it's gone a bit too far and it's going to get in the way of lots of things that you might really value or want to do but you're not seeing it in that moment because you become so fixated on this outcome that you're orientated towards and I think in squiggly careers where we are 
developing in different directions where there are loads more opportunities and different possibilities we want to be really open and make the most of of all of those things that could come our way and if we just get really siloed and you get stuck in overachievement in a way that isn't serving you I think it will limit your learning and limit your squiggly career you're sort of going back to a ladder-like world where it's like well I'm going to overachieve and that's going to equal promotion but that isn't true anymore that kind of really binary if I do this then I get that isn't happening in organizations organizations are getting flatter they're creating new roles they're creating new departments we all need new skills so I think it doesn't perhaps overachievement might have served people potentially a bit better in in a ladder-like world I'm not sure it's good for you for your sense of self even in that world but you can see how it's more connected to that world whereas I think with the uncertainty and complexity that is world of work now I think we've got to kind of decouple ourselves from this overachievement because I worry I worry about people being stuck on you know that hamster wheel that they can't get away from but then blame themselves for yeah yeah you can see how it just feeds a whole load like stress burnout anxiety all these unhelpful and healthy responses to work how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. So what we've got now is three different ideas for action to help you to, you know, reflect and respond to this if you recognize this kind of overachievement in in yourself. And so the first one is about prioritizing performance. And this comes from really understanding that there is a difference between overachievement orientation, all the things we've just been talking about, and a high performance focus. So if you think like overachievement is always this sort of relentless, even bigger if 
I could make this even bigger if. Whereas a high performer would respond to that situation and think more, ooh, I could make this even better if. And it's sort of the difference between bigger and better. And high performance will help you to reach the goal so you're still going after the goal but it's more about how you go after it and how well you perform and what you could do differently to get there so you could do it even better and it's a it's a more healthy focus on that outcome rather than slightly obsessive achievement orientated one also when Helen and I were discussing this beforehand you you mentioned to me that sometimes when you're in overachievement mode you're just too focused on the finish line mm. I recognize that in myself because I, I love a goal I love a goal I love planning in lots of ways I'd have been really good in ladder-like careers let's be honest it would have really suited me all predictable and I could just like be like really in control so like oh, I, I recognize like how difficult this can be sometimes to let go off if this is your natural mindset like I love a goal I sort of probably don't question probably previously in my career too much sometimes whether that goal is even the right goal <laughs> but you'll sort of really go for it then but the problem with that now is that with so much change all around us the likelihood is that that finish line might change it might disappear you know if that finish line if you were just thinking well really what I care about is a promotion or a job title and that is your like your short-term finish line well what happens if you know, that job changes. What happens if somebody else gets that promotion? You're then very attached to a finish line and almost you're less interested in the being work in progress in like, well, why do you want to get to that finish line in the first place? Is that even the right finish line? You know, all of those kind of really important questions that we need to ask ourselves. So again, if you're like me, like I love a finish line. I'm really attracted to a finish line because I'm also very future focused. So back to Helen's questions, I would definitely be a yes to future focus. I'm like, oh, brilliant. You've given me a future finish line. Great. I'll, I'll off go I go. After I'm, like, I'm, re- I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, let me go. So I, I sort of really, I've really recognized for me that I sort of sometimes have to sort of let go of finish lines. So I don't know if that helps people, but if you are like me, that can be quite a hard, a hard thing to let go of. So the action here in order to let go of the finishing line is to think about a goal you want to go after. Because again, there's nothing wrong with being goal orientated. But to bring in that sort of performance focus, think about how you will grow by getting there. So for example, a goal that Sarah and I might be going after, TBC everyone, but like, let's just say book three. So we've written two books, you know, a goal that we could go after might be like the third installment of some career development book that we hope might be brilliant. (laughs) Um, But what we want to do rather than just go, well, it's going to be brilliant, how many books are we going to sell and how many awards is it going to win and all those sorts of things rather than focusing on that we might think about well what are our growth goals to go after and that might be well how could we make the book even more useful how could we make sure the book is helping a different group of people than it might have helped before how could we use this goal to grow how we work better together how we write better together all of those things would make this more of a high performance goal rather than just like a target that we're trying to achieve And I'm sure lots of you will also listen to the High Performance Podcast. But one of the things that I always reflect on when I sort of dip in and out of listening to that is obviously they have lots of sports people on the podcast. And time and time again, you hear incredible athletes who've won, you know, World Cups, gold medals, and they often do reflect on the finish line is never quite as satisfying as you Mm. imagine it might be. So, you know, they've won this incredible thing and they're sort of going it's not about that. It was sort of about the process. It was about the team that I was part of. And actually, sometimes this real sense of emptiness of sort of like, oh, well, what now? 
when you do get to that finish line, which I think that the more you listen to people who've had these incredible finish lines that, you know, you can't even contemplate because they're sort of so out of your world. But the more you hear people sort of talk about those, that you, you hear it's a really consistent thread that that's not the bit, that's not the achievement bit. It was the, all the hard work, it was all the training, it was the group of people who you were surrounded with. If you really want to dive into performance and you haven't discovered that podcast, definitely have a look through that. And they have quite a wide range of guests, so you don't have to go into sports. There's lots of other people on there too. So the second action is about not putting all your achievement eggs in one basket. So when your need to achieve only focuses on one area of your life, we think that's often where you do become blinkered and less balanced, as Helen and I have both described, like we have both experienced that. So it's sort of recognising that if you're someone who does really like to achieve, it's really important to you. It's really important to Helen and I. That's not going to change. And we both run the risk of overachievement. Just recognise if you think, okay, I am setting a lot of stall about whether I'm going to get this promotion or whether I'm going to get this role or get the opportunity to do this project. And so just think about how you can basically balance your baskets if it doesn't take the analogy too far, but (laughs) it helped both of us to think about it. So for example, how are you helping other people to achieve? How can you achieve in terms of things to do with your health? How can you have achievements that might be more about your hobbies? So we'd sort of thought help health and hobbies is quite a good kind of additional categories to have as well as thinking about like what am I doing in my squiggly career how am I getting achievement from that what are all those sort of complementary other baskets that you can have around you and also I think as I was reflecting on this if you're not getting achievement from one of those baskets it also means that you can kind of look elsewhere because sometimes there might be moments at work that you don't quite get the achievement that you're seeking so you're sort of you feel like you're underachieving so the opposite of what we're talking about today and some of these other areas can provide you with a really good source of achievement and again that has definitely proved true for me in the past so when I was on maternity leave and I sort of wasn't working I really missed the achievement that I got from work and it's sort of no surprise that that's the only time in my life where I started running and managed to run 10ks you know, not very fast, but but I did go from not running at all. And actually, I loved getting the medals. See, this is the problem. I do like the finish line. I was like, even though I was like really slow, it wasn't even that good. But just this thing of going from like nothing to 10K and then, yeah, you get that sense of satisfaction. I was like, I essentially needed a different basket to get some achievement from. And that was a bit about health, a bit about a hobby. But funnily enough, as soon as I went back to work and then started going back to some of the things that I did before maternity leave I was like oh yeah I'm done with the running now so you don't have to do all of these things consistently all of the time but I think it is just recognizing particularly how you're helping other people to achieve I think is probably often under undervalued as a source of we know that when we help other people we also help ourselves I think as well these different baskets of achievement feel quite different so if I think about achieving something at work definitely gives me that like rush I get a rush of energy if I've achieved something at work but if I achieve by sort of helping other people achieves that feels like warm it's like a warmth kind Mm. of feeling it's not like the rush that I get from work it's very different type of energy I get back from that and health I get quite proud because I'm like oh you've made time to do that that feels like more of a feeling of like pride and hobbies are just like I get quite excited I enjoy it like they it's almost like you start to see achievement can feel different whereas if you're only getting it in one way you're only getting sort of one one sort of type of reward I suppose from it that's my reflections when I think about the different things I'd have in those baskets yes that's actually really interesting isn't it it's like how you can connect different feelings with different types of achievement 
you know, like pride versus enjoyment versus energy. And the more we get those range of different things, they're all good emotions for us to feel. And again, it's just moving away, isn't it, from being too binary? Which probably, again, goes back to resilience, doesn't it? You know, like filling up your bucket. You need those positive emotions are really helpful for us when we need to sort of draw on our resilience. And so there's probably quite a nice link between those things as well. So our third idea for action is all around the rear view review. And what this is really about is understanding that sometimes the goals that we are going after are not always the things that make us proudest in the long term. So let's say, um, I don't know, like a promotion or something like that, you might be really, really focused on getting promoted. But if you think about the achievements that you've had over the last five, 10 years, was it a promotion that you were most proud of? Or was it something else that was really meaningful and mattered? Because sometimes we can just get distracted by achievements that might look quite shiny, by achievements that might be a challenge. Sometimes I just like the challenge. You know, like it's not really an achievement. I'm just like, I want it because it's hard. And um, you can kind of get quite sort of obsessed about that stuff. Or maybe because it's what other people might expect of you. So you're going after it because other people are sort of saying this would be a good thing to do. But actually, you know, back to Sarah's point about the finish line might not feel that fulfilling. That's not the thing sometimes that you're proudest over on the long term so when you do a rear view review what this is really about is about thinking back and you know you can pick the time period you can say over the last five years and really thinking about like what are the achievements that you're you know you're really proudest of and almost comparing that sense of pride that you got from those things with what you're actually going after at the moment and making sure that those things are connected and you're not sort of being distracted and disconnected because of some of the stuff that might be going on for you right now so sort of practically we would suggest almost treating this as like a two-part action so part one just maybe create a mind map or just put pen and paper and just reflect on the moments that you feel most proud of over the last five years what has really given you that sense of achievement so when I did this it was things like my friendships because I'm like oh I'm really proud of like my friendships are really long term and they really matter to me. And my home, I'm really proud of my home because it's a source of stability for me and my family. And and a lot of work has gone into getting here and I'm proud of that kind of consistent effort. And I'm really proud of like Sarah and I pivoting our business in the pandemic. It's one of my most proud moments is what how we've grown our business out of adversity. I feel really proud of that. And so you can then take those moments that you're really proud of and think about, well, what do those moments really mean? What do they tell me about what I find meaningful about achievement? And then you can take that understanding and that awareness and just compare it to the goals you're going after right now and just make sure that the things that really matter to you are part of the goals that you're going after. Yeah, and I've done this recently where I sort of listed all my my achievements and I, I was like, I am quite like, I was like quite self-centered. I was like my achievements, like the things that I felt most proud of achieving over the last couple of years. So I just kind of wrote them down actually in, in a list, not even a mind map. And I sort of looked for what do those things have in common? What was really interesting for me, and it's something I was talking to Helen about recently, I was like, what achievement always looks like for me is whenever Helen and I are working on something hard together for usually quite a long period of time. And then we sort of create the thing, but it's sort of, it's never necessarily the thing. So it's not, although I'm very proud of our TED talk and our books, they're the sort of the outcomes, I suppose they were the finish line. But what was interesting for me when I thought about it, like where did the achievement come from? The achievement came from the process, very specifically the process of 
Helen and I working together on things that are hard. And so when we were thinking about like, how do we spend our 2023 and beyond, one of the things that I talked to Helen about was, oh, in the last year, we've had less time to do that because for lots of reasons, you know, we've been doing lots of other things. And so actually it's really important for me, and then we need to decide if it's important for Helen because otherwise we've got a problem. Oh no, it's not important. (laughs) (laughs) To actually think about, well, what are those hard and important things that we're going to work on together? What does that look like? And how do we create time for those? And then it's created really practical action. So actually we've looked ahead to 2023 and realised previously it was a bit easier for us to spend time together we'd got less commitments we'd got a smaller business we were creating stuff from scratch didn't really know what we were doing now we are a bit bigger and we're growing we need to be more intentional about creating that time and space to achieve together and so you know again that just looked like really practically looking at our diaries and making sure that we'd got seven days together over the next seven months, which might not sound like a lot, but full days together when it's sort of our space to create. And that probably won't include like other, other times that we would find to be together makes a real difference. So it's, it's, I found that really interesting when I started to then really think about like listing those achievements, like what do they have in common? And then what does that mean for me today in terms of how I spend my time or changes I might make or things that might be missing? Because actually I realized that had been missing for me that I might want to bring back again. So we hope you have found this a useful listen. We hope if you recognise that you are an overachiever, you're not beating yourself up too much because please don't, but just think about some of the different things that you can do. So just in summary, the ideas for action we've talked about are about prioritising performance, don't put all your achievement eggs in one basket and then do the rear view review and as we said at the start all this stuff is summarized for you including those questions to help yourself kind of assess your overachievement orientation and all of that will be in the pod sheet links are always in the show notes or email us helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com and we will send it to you thank you so much for listening i'm back with you again soon bye for now bye everyone As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. You did something for the first.